Yo, what up, street dogs? Eric Kim, or the thought. The thought is how to become more tolerant. So, the notion of tolerance is actually kind of interesting. So, you remember back in the day when we were kids, it seemed like in the American school system, at least in California where I'm from, <clears throat> the, the gist was this. We should be more open to and more tolerant of others, diversity, blah, blah. Now the, the funny thing is, it looks like the it looks like the, the the talk has actually changed and shifted a little bit, insofar much as the talk now is is more about acceptance than tolerance, which is interesting because to me the the meaning uh, is actually quite different. So like let me let me basically explain. So tolerance means tolerance. Tolerance from Latin. It actually comes from uh, Proto-Indo-European. I forget the words like terror or something, but the basic gist is to, to carry, to bear, to uh, endure. Um, in Vietnamese, there's an interesting word I learned from Cindy called Jiu Ka. Jiu means bear. Ka is difficulty. So that that actually is quite quite accurate to me in terms of just thinking about the the whole the whole thing because. To tolerate the view of others isn't like, it's like, it's kind of like the whole gist is like, I don't like it, but I'll let it slide. Because, you know, if one is tolerant, one is open-minded enough to understand that what is best for you isn't what's best for others, and what's best for others isn't what's best for you. And it essentially means that you're not going to superimpose your beliefs and your whatever uh, to others. And so, for example, um, you know, I love to eat meat, right? So, I'm not going to force my vegan or my vegetarian friends to eat meat against their own will. I'm like, yo, you just do you, right? Like, I like to eat meat, you like to eat vegetables. That's cool. We could both live together in harmony, right? And whereas, this is where things kind of get a little bit strange is that when some people become intolerant, so for example, if you're an intolerant vegetarian or intolerant vegan, you think that everybody on the planet should become vegetarian or vegan, and you will not tolerate others to eat meat. Now, to me, this is, uh, this is not so good because then that's actually what tyranny is, or becoming a tyrant. The tyrant is actually to uh, physically force people against their own will to do something or to not do something. Um, and yeah, so, so the basic gist is um, when, you, when, you're, when you're tolerant, you're open-minded that to other people's way of living and stuff like that. And actually the whole like diversity statement should be kind of about that where you kind of respect others insofar much as you recognize that everyone has different modes of living and we should all be open-minded to each other. Now to me, uh, this is where I think America, American ideals should be the best insofar much as we should be the most tolerant and open-minded country. 
But I think in actuality, uh, this is where I don't like where America's going right now, is that it's becoming profoundly intolerant towards everybody. So for example, like, you know, you got the PC police, right? Oftentimes people want to nitpick. People know what you mean to say, but for some reason they're just trying to change your lexicon to speak the way that they want you to speak. And I'm like, yo, that's, that's, you know, like, certainly I don't want to trample on nobody else's feet, but, like, a lot of times when people start to nitpick you for saying or doing this, what, but then they very much know what you meant to say, to me, that's just people just being kind of like a little bit petty and being being silly. But anyways, so what are we to do about this? So to become more tolerant, uh, just some some basic thoughts. Spend more time just like kind of like listening to people and it's funny. There's a difference between listening and obeying. To listen to somebody else is to just kind of give them the chance to to voice their opinions, whereas obeying them is to do as they say right so for example you know you know i am personally not for veganism i'm i'm in praise for a more carnivorous diet so i just eat a lot of meat um but whenever i meet somebody who is a vegan or vegetarian i'm just kind of more curious about like why they decide to become a vegetarian or vegan or whatever and so i'll ask them i'm like okay so uh you know why what motivated you or why did you become a vegetarian vegan and i'll just ask them a lot of why questions and i'm not gonna be like yo veganism vegetarianism is stupid meat rules bro i'm like that's <laughs> that's, that's, that's that that line that line of thinking is not very effective and also what I'm starting to realize too, at least with the whole vegetarian veganism diet thing, is that I'm not that actually interested in changing other people's dietary exercise lifestyle habits. I'm like, why do I care, right? It's like, everyone should be allowed to live however they want to live. But often what I try to do is, I try to expose other people to ideas which have helped me personally in the past in the hope that it might help others now it's not always guaranteed that what's been beneficial to me is going to help others but at least i like to try to expose people to to new ideas because i mean you know i like to think i'm a good person i like to think that i have good ideas and i want to help empower others so that's that's why i do it but once again the whole take it or leave it notion is actually quite good or just giving your two cents. So, and actually, I found that if, if your true intention is actually to, to change people, it's not to tell people, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. It just explain to people what you do and why you do what you do. And actually like kind of more the Socratic um, method too is that like, if you're going to talk to other people about their lifestyle habits, whatever, just keep asking them why. And if you find a huge logical fallacy in their, their argument, just keep asking them why they believe in that and then you know, offer up certain suggestions which could contradict their position. Or even I think Karl Popper might have done this too where if you actually want to engage in a generative and productive debate, 
get to know the other side's opinions very, very well if you actually want to strengthen your own opinion. So any kid who's done like kind of like debate class or whatever, I mean, I never did it, but I just learned this from my own personal life experiences is that, so for example, if one is going to crit, uh, critique Islam or the Quran or whatever, one should read the whole Quran front to back, right? Similarly speaking, if one is going to cr critique Christianity or Catholicism or Judaism, whatever, one should read the whole holy book front to back. Or, you know, like, you know, if you really, really want to be into politics, right? Bro, you gotta, you gotta listen to both sides. You gotta listen to the liberals, conservative, Democrats, Republicans, you know, you know, if you're always on NPR and CNN or New York Times, spend equally as much time on like, you know, Fox News and the, you know, other right-wing things. And then also it's, it's kind of useful to, to read some of the conspiracy theory websites. Um, one, one website that I like is uh, zerohedge.com, Z-E-R-O-H-E-D-G-E.com. It's uh, some pretty lively thoughts and commentary. Because when people become too one-sided i think uh nietzsche called it hemophagia or something hemi hemi like one side right like hemisphere phagilia or paralysis so it's like become you know there's some people like half their face is paralyzed and the other half is isn't so essentially what's happening is half of our perspective or our views is becoming paralyzed and the other half isn't so what happens when you become too paralyzed in one view? Hemophagia, or I'm gonna I'm gonna have to dictionary this word later. Anyways, so you don't want half of your face to be paralyzed, or half your perspective to be paralyzed, or half your brain. I mean, like there's a reason why we got you know two sides of the brain, and you know the whole creative side of the brain, you know non-creative side of the brain is total nonsense. It's kind of like this strange pseudoscience, but. Um, Basically, the gist is one should, uh, one should be open-minded to all perspectives from this side to that side and everything in between. And as you come up with your opinion, consider all sides of the debate. Then take a long time to think about it, go on long walks, meditate, think. Not meditation like the, the Buddhist thing, but then the meditate, like think deeply on it and then come up with your own opinion. And also just kind of give yourself permission to know that your opinion is always in flux and it's always in changing. And uh, that's, that's part of the game. That's what makes, that makes knowledge, wisdom, you know, scholarship so interesting. The fact that everything's open to change. So why is, it, why is it useful to be tolerant to other people's views and perspectives? It's because, for me, there is no ultimate right or wrong. There's no ultimate truth or falsity. Even thinking about truth is kind of a, not a good way to think because thinking about, tr there, there's no ultimate truth. And even like, 
I mean, okay, insofar much as practical pur purposes, right? So the only things we should really trust is probably like hard math and hard science physics. But beyond that, anything with uh, sociology, politics, humans, philosophy, it, it's all subjective, right? And even when you talk about facts, right? So I think we tend to talk a lot about just like statistical facts now. But the problem about even talking about statistical facts is it doesn't it doesn't really meaningfully reflect anything unless the human agent imbues his or her own value judgment upon the thing. So for example, let's talk about police brutality, right? So in America, I think, I think about 60% of the population is Caucasian, 15% is African American, maybe like, I don't know, 5%, less than 5% is uh, Asian American. And so they're, they're doing this whole like thing on the, you know, police brutality, right? So I think statistics, so this is where things get tricky, right? So statistically, per head, per body, more Caucasian men are killed by police every year than African-American men. Just pure numbers, right? So pure heads, like heads in a bucket, right? However, I believe proportionally, I actually might be wrong on this too, by the way, um, but last time I checked, I think proportionally African-American men get killed more to, to compare the, the, pop, the overall population size than uh, Caucasian, Caucasian men. Now, once again, I don't know if this is 100% true, but uh, last time I checked, I think that's what it was. So then, this is a tricky thing is that whenever you read the news or the media or statistics, and then actually the best thing I learned about uh, studying sociology in school was one should be highly sus of statistics because statistics are numbers which could get gamed in any sort of way. And this is one thing I learned from Cindy. Um, the basic notion of statistics actually comes from the state, you know, S-T-A-T-E, like, you know, state house. So what that means is statistics were invented by the state, you know, the government, to sort of like quantify the progress or to pro uh, propagate propaganda and get the, the citizens to think X, Y, and Z. Now, so there's no ultimate truth to, to statistics and statistics will always be biased because once again, you could game it however you want, right? So, you know, it's, it's kind of a mouthful for a news headline to say, statistically speaking, per capita, proportional to the US population, African-Americans are killed more by police than Caucasian men. And then it's just easier to say, you know, you know, whatever short headline you want to put in. Um, and the, the problem is most news reporters, they're either not intelligent enough or they don't have enough time or constraints, whatever, is that most news reporters and news media, they're not going to want to add the nuance to the argument because once you add the nuance, it becomes less juicy and also becomes less sensational. And the more sensational things are, the more clicks you get, the more ad revenue you accumulate, the more page views you get. And so once again, this becomes like kind of a bad system because it prioritizes maximizing uh, page views and ad revenue and clicks and CPMs, whatever, rather than, you know, 
trying to approach a more truthful approach. Now, and also the, the problem too is that, you know, I think there's actually a big class issue in America. I mean, there always has, but I'm starting to realize this more and more. But people tend to think if you voted for Trump, you're some sort of like backwards hillbilly backwater individual who's stupid and doesn't know what's best for him or herself. Now, this is the thing is like, if you truly want to be tolerant, if someone decided to vote for Trump, you know, I don't like it and I don't agree with it. I personally didn't vote for him. I voted, uh, I voted Hillary. Um, and I initially voted Bernie, right? But, yo, that's just my personal belief, right? And then if other people vote contrary to what I believe in, you know, I should be tolerant and open-minded to them too. And so even like, you know, I, I try not to meddle in politics too much because it's kind of a, it's kind of a strange game. But, uh, so I'll ask people who are like Trump supporters or whatever, I'm like, yo, like, what is it that other people don't get about Trump? Or what are common misconceptions about it? Or why did you vote for Trump? And then you're kind of trying to say in a tone which is not so uh, combative. You're just like, you just say it just like straight up, just be like, oh, I'm just kind of curious, right? And then people sometimes get sus because no one ever asked them why, right? So it's like, why you want to know? I'm just, you know, I'm just curious. You don't have to say much, right? I'm just curious, right? And so for me, I guess my personal joy is gaining a deeper understanding of society, the world, how people think. I mean, certainly studying sociology was hugely beneficial to me in terms of just you know, changing and augmenting my thinking to be a little bit more critical, to be a little bit more suspicious. I mean, probably the best way to become more intelligent is actually to become more suspicious of everyone, right? So for example, don't trust the New York Times, don't trust the, the New Yorker, don't trust, don't trust any media, don't trust nobody but yourself. Just consult your own opinion. And I've actually found that the, the most useful thing too is go to the source, right? So, you know, if you're curious about what happened to George Floyd, right? Google George Floyd Corner Report PDF, right? And then read the, the actual PDF documents and stuff like that. And also just kind of, we kind of need time too because there's so much noise and there's always going to be new sources of information being leaked that we previously were blind to. And the thing is, you cannot see what you're blind to, or you cannot see what you cannot see. So for example, you know, when the whole George Floyd thing happened, um, you know, there's constantly new news being leaked about stuff. And then the story always changes, right? Because like, for, for example, apparently Derek Chauvin and Floyd both worked at the same nightclub as bouncers. So, you, once again, this is a problem. We, we cannot know for certain anything. Like, do they know each other? Do they have a personal spat? Do they not? And, you know, nobody knows. Derek, Derek Chauvin might know, but even he might be lying or he might not know. I mean, who knows? Um, so, skepticism is good. Uh, so taking it back to uh, the notion on tolerance. So 
it's, it's, it's very easy for us to just cast other people as stupid, less intelligent, insane, whatever. And no one really, really gives a critical, hard look at anyone else's opinions or thoughts, right? And so I'm always trying to do is dig deeper, dig deeper, dig deeper. And the, the funny thing is, you know, I've been even studying a lot of kind of like the alt-right groups and stuff like that. And what I discovered actually is uh, a lot of the people on the alt-right, effectively, and you just, you just got to keep digging deeper, Discover what people's ground truths are or what they truly believe in fundamental truths, right? And so typically most people end up becoming Christians like or their their belief system is is the foundation is either Christianity or You know I think actually in America. Yeah, actually most most thought does come down to Christianity or like utilitarianism or vestiges of Quakerism and you know kind of those kind of like Protestant work ethic beliefs whatever and so whenever you're trying to engage in um, a productive and generative discussion or debate with somebody else or a group of peoples right best to do it in uh, person face to face because when you do it on the internet there's so much nuance which is lost in terms of looking somebody in the eye facial expressions you know kind of bodily language too because a lot is you a lot could be gleaned through people's eye contact like the way they look at you the way they talk to you the you know and stuff like that and also when you're discussing and debating in real time uh the bit rate and the information rate is far faster even if you do it via zoom there's always gonna be a small amount of lag whereas if you do it real time you know face to face it's the ultimate you know 1 million FPS per second, right? And so it allows both parties to... And it actually, the funny thing too is that, and this is where technology is bad, if more people from different perspectives and sides engage in debate face-to-face, -face, I think most more parties would actually learn more about the perspectives of others, become more tolerant, uh, become more... Uh, yeah, actually become more open-minded and kind and loving to one another. It seems like one of the biggest uh, biggest problems is when people tend to be very close-minded to each other because the technology tends to mystify people. When you create people who are more anonymous, it makes people less like human-like. They become more uh, they become more kind of like caricatures, right? So let's get rid of caricatures. Uh, let's talk to more human beings face-to-face -face IRL in real life. Um, let's remember that embodied reality is uh, the best reality. All reality, and also the tricky thing, all realities are, are subjective. Um, and yeah, and uh, it seems like some uh, simple homework assignments. Next time you want to debate with somebody face-to-face, -face, I mean, put on your face mask, try to stay a comfortable distance away. And then just ask more like open-ended leading questions like, oh, you know, what is your life story? Why do you believe in that? You know, where are you from? Uh, you know, what is your personal philosophy on X, Y, and Z? Uh, what are common misconceptions about X, Y, and Z? And so the more we could open our minds, the more we could let in, you know, aberrant and original ideas, and the more we could continue to grow and develop as people.